This is Masonic Muscle, where we explore the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry, while at the same time encouraging you, brethren, that includes you, Dago, to increase your level of fitness one degree at a time, strengthening your body, mind, and soul, and getting an awesome mental, muscular, and spiritual pump, progressively increasing the resistance, because Freemasonry is a progressive science. Hey, today, our guest, or my guest today, is Dago Rodriguez, past master of South Pasadena Lodge 290. That lodge has is recognized as an observant lodge. It has, it's, it's on pause right now, but it has Masonic meditations. I have gone several times with uh, Worshipful Doug, Doug, right? Doug Russell, yes. Doug Russell. He was excellent. He was awesome. I believe he went to a couple of sessions at the Scottish Rite Center, correct? To learn uh, the, these techniques from uh, contemplative masonry, the uh, Dunning. He uh, it's a, it, he belongs to the Academy of Reflection. Academy, okay. Does this practice? Yes. And they, it was let me tell you, it was awesome for the brothers who believe that there should be some kind of meditative practices, contemplative practices, uh, in a lodge. That's that's the way to go. I liked it, and I believe that more lodges should uh, include that. Also, the Illumination Series. What do we got going on with the Illumination Series, uh, Dago? What's happening there? Well, it just it just kicked off the 2020, the 2022 year with Brother Adrian Foley doing the talk on the point within the circle last month. But this coming month, we have Brother Robert Marshall from Texas, Waco, Texas Lodge, uh, discussing um, the, well, the talk is entitled Remembering the Masons, the Freemasons. And it's discussing Masons uh, that fought in the Alamo and uh, the, the fight in Puebla, prepping us for Cinco de Mayo in May. So it'll be a great little historical talk that he's going to give. And it's his first visit to South Pasadena, I think even L.A. for that reason. So it'll be great to have him. If anybody wants to come out, it's going to be Monday, April 4th at 7 o'clock. The lecture starts at 7 and then we'll have our dinner after the lecture. If you can make it out, check us out on our Instagram. It'll be uh, live streamed and also on our YouTube channel, the Illumination Lecture Series. And I'll, thank you. And also um, South Pasadena Lodge 290 is home of South California Research Lodge in the Fraternal Review, correct? Yes, I'm yes. the current master of the Southern California Research Lodge and the managing editor of the Fraternal Review, which just put out the... the the festive board issue uh, edited by the Rubicon Society. And then the next issue coming up this month is going to be on King Solomon's Temple, edited by Brother Matt Parker from the East Coast. And the festive board, that's a, I saw the, the picture and that's something that I've been thinking about. It's crazy how things like your, your mind begins to connect to certain things. And then lo and behold, I see your next episode and it's the festive board. Because I've been talking about it with the brothers. I've been talking about other people, how important it is to not only break bread together, you know, with people you really want to be with. It's an excellent way to catch up on what's been happening in your life for the last month. But, you know, it's a, it's a good time. There's nothing like having a good conversation with people you want to be with um, over a good three-course meal, you know, and some wine, if that's what you like to accompany. Oh, just, just three courses? You got to come to the Masonicon yeah. Festival Board, which is another thing. Masonicon, don't forget, July 22nd, 23rd, 24th. This July, it comes back after three years of being, you know, 
you know, pandemic pushed us off, but uh, we will be bringing the big educational weekend, kicking off with a seven course festive board Friday the 22nd. So you're right, it's a great way to break bread and, 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 and socialize with brothers from all over the country that will be there. So mm-hmm. if you can make it out, I highly encourage you to do so. And uh, in the festive board issue, they, we talked about a documentary that was produced uh, by the Rubicon Society, I believe, brother Brian Evans directed this documentary. It's about an hour long. It hasn't been released yet. I believe they're releasing it next month. But um, a little birdie told me that it might be it might be screened at Masonicon in the summer. Nice. So if you want to catch it and learn more about the history of the festive board and its importance, especially in masonry, uh, that documentary, I think, will have a lot of insight into it. Awesome. And then you get to be part of one too. So, you know, that's awesome. How, how much, uh, Masonic education, Masonic information is just flowing through that lodge, uh, South Pasadena 290. because I believe that a lot of when, uh, when people are out on the outside looking in and they want to join, they have a concept that that's kind of what they're going to run into. Maybe not at that level that you guys are, I mean, cause you guys are like the epicenter down here of all this masonic information flowing but um to have that much information coming in and being a member and and now you're getting you're getting hit by from all different angles of what we're supposed to be learning about right because you have all these different topics it's not just focused on one it's 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 a 360 it's a 360 degree circle that you're getting hit with so that's if, if you're a lodge listening out there and i hope you are I know it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. You know, nobody said it was going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. I no want to give back. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get back to Observant Lodge. And I remember when you told me that you guys are, are recognized as an Observant Lodge, we began to talk about it a little bit. I want to share a little bit with the, you know, with the listeners. What, what were some, how, first of all, how are you guys officially recognized as an Observant Lodge? How does that work? Uh, well, I don't know how it works now, but back in 2015, you had to write a proposal uh, based off the eight principles that they list on their website, the MasonicRestorationFoundation.com. If you go there, you'll see they, they have a PDF of the eight principles that uh, a lodge should be practicing in enhancing and paying more attention to the details on how a lodge is run and presented. So back then you had to like basically write a proposal to be placed in the registry. And, and that's what we did. We, we wrote the proposal. Luckily, brother Doug's, Doug Russell, who you just mentioned, was actually going to the Masonic Restoration Foundation Symposium. And he, he knew the guys running it. So he took the proposal with him and endorsed it as well. And soon thereafter, we were placed on the registry. And... As you guys were moving towards that, because were, were you were you at at that uh, in the the beginning stages of moving towards that way of of being uh, putting that together and then registering oh, sure. as a you you were in the middle of that. Well, I was I was I was the one that lit the match. To make sure <laughs> that was so, master that year, and mm-hmm. by I was master that year, and by the end of that year, we were in the registry. Now. Because when, when you become a leader of any organization, it's all good at the beginning. Everyone's encouraging you and this and that. But the moment you get installed, 
the challenges begin. Everybody wants something, you know, and, and it's not, uh, I'm not saying that in a sinister way. I'm just saying that this is human nature. You begin to see human nature in a different light and how we function, our minds, our little lizard brains function. What were some of the big challenges that you faced as you guys were beginning to move towards that when you guys understood this is what we need to do and it's going to be for the betterment of this lodge, but you guys are older established lodge. What were some of the challenges? Well, that transition, right? I mean, our lodge has been around for 133 years now. So it's, it already had um, its culture that people were already used to, but it wasn't really making the experience of a lodge any better. So even before we, we decided to try and get on the registry, we were already doing these practices, Brother Marco and I, who's now a past master, Marco Garcia, and a couple of others, we were already doing the practice of the room of reflection at the lodge. We were already lighting candles and incense in, in, towards the entryway of the lodge. We were already educating the candidates. So playing music during the degree. Um, so we were already seeing how we were um, connecting to this philosophy of observant practices. So to us, it was like a no-brainer to do that part, get into the registry. Now, as we were doing those things, of course, we had older members that were not they were not too into it. They were just like, why are we turning off the lights? Why are we lighting candles? Why are we doing incense? Why are we making the lodge look spooky? Like, so we, so, but then it became our responsibility to educate them in the way of, of, of the, of how things like when George Washington was getting his degree, he wasn't under these, you know, lights getting his degree. He was in a dark place with lit candles really contemplating what he was receiving, right? All our four brothers were. So why not uh, recreate that atmosphere that does feel different, that does have more of an impact to a candidate than just the regular lighting that you have in a lodge room, right? Or we used to have by the altar these, instead of real candles, we had these three blue lights that we would flick on and flick off, which served the purpose. But if you're, again, if you really want to, create that impact, use real candles. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, wait, you know, our insurance is not going to cover us because you have live candles and it could catch on fire. And we were like, well, there's about 30 masons in the lodge room paying attention to the center. I mean, I think if a candle (laughs) does start a fire, somebody is going to catch it. We're not leaving these unattended, right? Like it's like that, that mentality we had to sort of like work through. But then once you start doing it also to the newer members coming in. That's the culture that they remember. And that's the thing that they want to, the practice that they want to continue now that they're senior officers, now that they're lodge masters with the incoming members. So for me, it was more about influencing the younger generation of Masons that were going to become the leadership to continue to, to accept and appreciate these practices. So they continue. And so now you know, our lodge, ma- our, our last past master, you know, he was raised. I helped raise him. I put him in the, in the chamber of reflection. I, you know, we did the education with him. So he is aware that, oh, this is an important, you know, aspect of our lodge that I need to make sure I protect and, um, and, uh, and it doesn't change unless it becomes better. 
And that's what I challenge everybody. Like, well, if you can make it better, then please do it. And don't, you know, don't let me stop you. I'm not going to stop you. If you come up with a better idea, I'm the la- I'm going to support it more than stop it. Yeah. And that's a, uh, because when I was a master the last time here at Palm Springs Lodge, one of the things, you know, we created a one-year plan um, every year. And within that one-year plan, you know, we would have our executive committee meetings every four to six weeks. And I would invite other members in as well so they can see what we're here, listen to what we're talking about and see where we're trying to go. And one of the things that was mentioned always was if any of you has an opportunity to advance the plan and you don't need our, our permission, do it. Just do it as long as it's done correctly and as long as it's going to improve what we're trying to do. We don't need to sit back down, have another meeting to discuss what you're thinking. You're hearing it right now. So, and this begins to advance just the same, in the same way that you were just talking about right now, you were encouraging them. Hey man, if you can do it and if you can do it better, do it, just, just do it. This should definitely be communicated, right? I think that that is the most, what I found more important is to communicate why, what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you could get the buy-in of the lodge, even if it's not the entire lodge, as long as the majority of the lodge sees what you're up to and what you're doing, they help encourage it and protect it and, and, and don't, and not question it, you know, like all you can't, cause some lodges always say, well, they don't let us, they don't, they don't let us have a chamber of reflection in our lodge. How do we establish that? And I'm, and, and I'm like, well, some lodges like to go from zero to a hundred in one day. They don't let it sort of drip in, you know, like we didn't call it when we first started the chamber of reflection, we just said, Hey, we need a holding area to put the candidate. It doesn't feel right to have him sit in the dining room until we're ready to prepare them. Yeah, no. Why don't we put him in this other room, light a candle and have him wait there. It was never called anything but that, just like the waiting room. (laughs) That's what we called it. And that's, I think how you start um, easing it in, especially in a lodge that's already been around for a while. Instead of saying, well, we're going to do a chamber of reflection. We want to put, you know, vitriol on the wall. We want to bring skulls and bones, a coffin. Like, I mean, can you imagine the old past master is going to walk in there and go, what the hell is this? And, you, you know, right now you, you touched upon something. And that is the difficulty of implementing something, let alone implementing something like the eight steps of excellence, right? Which a lot of Masons are tired of hearing because of the intensity of it, because of, of what it means. It means a lot of work. Um, and just including something like the Chamber of Reflection, like at our lodge, I can honestly say we've implemented about four of the eight steps of excellence in four or five years. That's how difficult it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, it might be eight and you think, come on, man. No, it's that there's some things that what you're just saying right now, you know, some of the older members, they, they're they're not going to go with it. They're not going to be comfortable. And, and it's got to be eased in uh, little by little. So it's already hard enough to be a leader of a, a small group or a small organization. Now you're talking about Freemasonry, uh, Dago. So you become the master of South Pasadena Lodge number 290. And you guys are in the middle of this movement to become uh, observant, uh, you know, uh, an observant lodge be registered there has to be other challenges other than just the regular leadership challenges as a leader of a masonic lodge because there's it's just a different 
organization. This is something that people have to understand. This is this is a reason why Freemasonry began to decline the way it has because people began to consider Freemasonry the same as any other organization. And we're trying to bring it back to being unlike any other organization. And now you become the leader of it, you know, duly installed and you know, nominated and elected. And you're having to not only deal with the regular day-to-day, you know, uh, administrative part as being a you know, master of the lodge, but you're, you're having to try continue to work to implement these eight steps, right? It's, it's, it's added, it's added to the, to the challenge of not only being a Mason, but being the leader of your Mason Masonic lodge. You know, is there anything in particular that was re- that really stuck out in your mind during that time? Uh, as, as far as that's concerned, I mean, you mentioned one of them and that's, chamber of reflection okay how are we going to do this well the one that like you know like you mentioned the eight steps and yeah we're like maybe six into it the hardest part is getting you know that that everybody in a dark suit to show up to the lodge when we have degrees or like a stated meeting and especially like in the summer we have this uh hawaiian shirt thing that we do which is great i mean i i participate i like my hawaiian shirts but (laughs) but and there's nothing wrong with having levity in a lodge especially if everybody is buying into it Right. And I think that's something that that and that's something that every every lodge master, I think, has to deal with. It's like, what is the buy in that I get into it and how am I going to inspire these brothers to it? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're not you're not you're running a lodge that probably, you know, gives you a higher budget in some instances than maybe your your own job does to spend and to allocate. (laughs) And, and nobody's getting paid to do the work. Everybody's there of their own free will and accord. Everybody there is a volunteer. So if you're an, if you're an effective leader and you are innovative and inspiring to the brothers, then I think that you could be a leader anywhere else besides in in any, in any, in any job capacity, really, because if you can motivate people that are not going to get paid from different races, economic backgrounds, ethnicities you know like all that stuff in one under one roof then you know think about the influence that you can have outside of masonry at your job with your family in your community and that is a powerful thing that you can learn from it but you 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 also need to understand that just because just because you become the master of the lodge it doesn't make you a great leader and it doesn't make you the end-all be-all it's a great humbling ego check that you go through when you become a master of the lodge, because you're not always going to get your way. You know, you're there to serve the lodge, not yourself. And some lodge masters lose sight of that and they pay for it. They, it's frustrating. They don't get anything done. Nobody wants to listen to me, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, and it's also this thing where you build up to become the master as you go up the chairs and you slowly have to reveal what your plans are as you approach the East so you can have the lodges buy-in and then all, and not all of a sudden go into the East and say, well, now that I'm here, this is what's going to change. It's too late already because once you become, once you're installed as master, your time clock has started to get out, yeah. right? Like, oh, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. your timeline is already going. Like your real work, I think, begins when you're a warden. When you're a warden is when you're putting, you know, overseeing your line or making sure that, 
your calendar is getting ready, you have the budget for it, any big plans that you have your year are getting solidified before you start your year. So when you do start your year, you're just managing. You're just managing at that point, delegating and managing or rolling up your sleeves and doing the work like but, one yeah. or the other. And by that time, great, great points, <clears throat> because by that time, you should be only managing and you should be delegating. And you have had plenty of time to figure out who you're going to delegate, delegate to, because a lot of masters, from what I've observed, is they get to the East, have, 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 having not paid attention to what you just said during their ascent. And so now they get to the East and they begin to delegate to people who just aren't qualified to do those jobs. And so it becomes a cluster. People begin to get frustrated, including the brother that was, you know, delegated to. And now, it, it, you know, people begin to point fingers and they're not willing to step up because they're watching the master time and time again, delegate to people who aren't qualified for particular situations because they weren't working together. They weren't communicating the whole time. And it was just like, well, they had a misconception as as soon as I get to the East, everything will work out. That's not true. That's not true. There's a whole lot more work involved in order for that Absolutely. to happen. Absolutely. And you know yes. what I do uh, when the year starts, I pull a senior de the senior warden aside and I take him out to lunch or dinner. Mm -hmm. And we have the discussion about how now you are, it's, this, is, this is your snob snowball to the east. Before you blink, you're going to be installed as master. Right. And the two most important things that I uh, talk about are is this calendar for his year and his officers. Right. And making sure that those two things are lined up because do your calendar and for every event that you plan, write down the name of the committee chairman you're going to appoint to that event and talk to them, communicate with them, ask him. So public schools, you did it last year. Can you do it again my year? What This is what I would like to see. What do you think is going to work? What's your vision for it? And let's set a timeline for it. Like you got to do that work now. Your officers sit down, like what I did, what I sat down with each one of them with my wardens and I said, brother, if you're going to be installed junior steward, these are going to be your responsibilities. Right. Here's a list. Let's sit down and go over each one of them. So we're very clear. I expect you to be here 20 minutes before the dinner starts to set this up, set this up, this, this, this. Mm -hmm. can you, can you do this? Yes, I can. All right. Congratulations. If I get elected, you will be appointed this. If they said, no, I can't. Then I'm like, all right, then how can we make it work? Or let let me go find somebody else because this is what needs to happen to make this whole thing run smooth. In other words, it's a team effort. It's not done by one individual. This whole experience that we're presenting to visitors, candidates, um, past brothers that come to back to the lodge is done by the group working. We're only as strong as our weakest link. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And if and I'll tell you this much, and the and the and the lodge masters that listen to me and do it have a much smoother year when they're masters than the ones that nod their heads and say, okay, I'll get it done. They don't do it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're chasing their tails saying like, oh, what do I do now? Like, who do I, I'm like, well, see a year ago, we had this discussion a year ago. I gave you a checklist, <laughs> not to tell you what to do, but from experience. So you could have a great year. And so some listen, some don't, but that's part of their growth. And I don't fault them for it. But this is how they're going to learn to be more effective and better leaders, better listeners, because being a leader is being also a good listener and understanding 
how all this works. Because again, nobody's getting paid. We're here for free to see your year through, to see your vision through. And if you don't have a clear understanding of what that is, well, how am I going to have that understanding? And you mentioned something right now that, that binds all this together, that few people, I don't know, few people pay as much attention as they should. And that's the, the calendar of events for the year. All right. And I read a book years ago when it came out and that's the craft driven lodge, right? Cause there's like three main books, observing the craft, the traditional observance lodge, and then a craft driven lodge. And what, what that man, uh, Harinko, Dan Harinko, past master of that lodge, what he proposed as far as that concerned is that everybody says, well, you know, it's my year, it's my year. Well, it's everybody's year, number one, right? Cause you need everybody to help you. And number two, when it's time to put the calendar together, uh, he was recommending, and I did it and it worked. And that is get everybody in there. This, Hey, this is the calendar. What do we want to do now? There's a lot of back and forth because there's just some people who are not, I don't know, more organized, inclined. They just, they want to shoot from the hip and they'll tell you, well, I'm not, I don't work that way. I just shoot from the hip. And I tell them, Hey dude, that's not how King Solomon's temple was built. He didn't build it by shooting from the hip. There was a lot of planning. <clears throat> That what, went behind what, the scenes. What part of designs upon the trestle board do you not understand? <laughs> yeah, we got to draw designs upon the trestle board now, not so the craft can follow your yes, your wishes, your yes. orders, right? And, and you have to draw these pieces out from the lectures so that we demonstrate that we're paying attention and we're learning some lessons, right? Hey, but every month you get one sent out, right? Doesn't yes. every month something show up yes. in your mailbox or emails? The trestle board, the, the largest trestle, trestle board. board. Yes. And what is the master supposed to use that trestle board for? To, to uh, communicate with the brethren and, and uh, give them instruction. The drawing designs yeah. for, the, for the month, right? Yeah. For like what's coming up? It, it never stops, right? So what he proposed was get everybody in on that so that now they are beginning to understand the importance because things begin to happen. Now, yeah, you know, there's the old saying, and, and one of our past masters and past secretaries of our lodge is like, yeah, we can plan all we want, but God, God just laughs at us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hey, man, how, how far are we going to take that? You know, I understand God's had his plans as well, right? And, he, and we can plan and he just laughs at us. But it's been proven time and time again that the ones who actually put a plan out and follow it. Yeah. There will be challenges that come un unforeseen challenges. And I think that's where he meant like God laughs at you because there's going to be unforeseen challenges, but that's where we begin to grow because we have our plan. We've said, we're going this way and here's the plan. Okay. But this came up. All right. W what do we got to do to work through it? And well, and that's, and, but this is why you have the plan to prepare you for prepare the you. catastrophes that come yeah. along the way yes like a plan is a plan hypothetical you don't have to you don't have to honor it to the word to the date but you can definitely see where you're going and how you could shift it and change it if you need to but if you don't have a plan then you're just writing on air at that point you're just like pulling stuff off, off the air and like if you gotta plan things you get like there's committees like then you're just rushing to get things done because now you have to or because people are mad at you and not because you eased into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a very important point. Now I know Grand Lodge is, is trying to help the masters and wardens with the retreats and leadership, but most lodges don't take advantage of it. They'll send a brother out. He comes back with all these ideas. They don't want to hear it. They're just too focused on what, whatever the lodge is focused. And 
And so the opportunity is lost to be able to sit down, plan, take advantage of this golden opportunity to learn all together and to see the results. Because when we began to do it, all of a sudden, we just began to see the shift, bam, it's, you know, it's momentum just, it, began to build. It just changes. It's just, it's something about, you know, if you're a Boy Scout, the motto is be prepared. And you, <laughs> I mean, if you learn it at that young age, you know, I can't believe as an adult, you kind of brush it under the rug. I think that that is the most important thing. We could criticize Grand Lodge as much as we want, but those retreats are so been they were so beneficial to me oh, yeah. in really outlining yeah, yeah. and attacking because I got what they gave us and I made it work for our lodge, yeah. and it did, and it did, and this is what I try to bestow on the incoming officer, senior officers. Like, look, follow these. You'll have a better time when you're master of your lodge if you just follow these guidelines. They were kind of set forth by the Grand Lodge and those leadership retreats. And I encourage you, go to the leadership retreats, sit in those breakout rooms, take notes, ask questions, because trust me, all that comes from experience and from the school of hard knocks that people already, yeah. you know, they failed and they realized what they needed to change and they did and it worked. And now they're giving you those little kernels of knowledge that yeah. you can't, they're priceless. You can't buy anywhere else. So use it. And that's what I did. And it helped us a lot when, if, when we applied it. Yeah, and that's the key to apply it, right? So we have the Masters and Wardens Retreat. And I was listening to a podcast that's out of uh, New York. And the Grand Master was on there. And he was talking about that they, they now have a leadership program, but they're sending their um, Masters or Wardens or anybody can go. But they're in partnership with the Maxwell Leadership you know, Program. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So they've taken say... it one step higher. Because we have certain principles. If you go to the Masters and Warren Retreat, you're going to see those sprinkled all over, you know, what, what they're doing with the, what Grand Lodge is presenting to us. But they're going directly now to wow, the... that's fantastic. Yeah. I like to sit in one of those because, I mean, when I was going up to be Master the first time, like, I read those Maxwell books and they were yeah. so, Helpful, so huh? beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> so beneficial. And I highly recommend anybody that's a junior officer, start reading some yep. of those Max... John, it's John Maxwell, right? Yes. It's John John C. Um, Maxwell, books, I believe. Yeah, yeah. On on leadership, teamwork, and he and he was also a volunteer through his church in changing it and turning it around, so it yeah. aligns with Freemasons easily. And the fact that this lodge up in the East Coast is doing this with the leaders, because I think that's the next step the Grand Lodge should really focus on is is creating, focusing on on, on more of the leadership aspect uh, of, of masonry. And maybe starting with like, you know, just, it should be for the deacons, like a deacon's leadership retreat that they start them there at that young yeah. um, office or that mid officer chair before they go into the senior chairs. So they have more tools in their toolbox to practice and run a lodge better. Uh, they the interpersonal to be tools. Yeah, yeah. The communication, the communication <laughs> skills, the interpersonal skills. Those, those aspects, I think, are what I'm seeing that starts to be missing from the senior officers as they go up the line, if they haven't had that experience already. They, they need to be exposed to, to that information and to that culture, because this is what the real world, the outside world uses to advance their organization. Everybody, whether it's the Dale Carnegie Academy or, you know, the Maxwell, Car you know, uh, leadership, they're, they're going to one of these. Uh, seminars and they'll take a course and when they come back now they're they're exposed to it and they can begin to apply it 
accordingly, right? Because not every situation is the same, but you have the tools now. And this is something that's missing. And I just felt, you know, it, it happened at our lodge, you know, where I started going to these leadership retreats, but it did just, now you have to make time to share it, begin to share it with the, with the members and they be willing to listen because they, like I said, they're so caught up in, in how lodge was being run before that they might, you might think that they're listening, but it's just going in one ear and out the other because they just want to get to the state of meeting or get through the year. And, you know, so they're not really uh, absorbing it until they begin to see it in action. And, and then they begin to ask you, Hey, well, what are you doing? You know, how, how are you doing this? Like, what do you mean? I've been telling you, you know, go to the masters and Warrens retreat, get exposure. And another thing that's connected to that, because you've mentioned it several times here already, and that is that we are a volunteer organization. And that is somewhat of a, I want to say everybody that's involved and they begin to volunteer more and more time to the fraternity and they begin to take on responsibility if they have the volunteer virus syndrome, they are at any time things get hard, they're going to throw that card out and say, hey, man, this is just a volunteer organization anyway. I don't got to be here. And so this is this hinders, you know, a lodge many times and it's hindered. I've seen it time and time again. And they kept throwing that card out, whereas something that we did and we just had a meeting with the people, the movers and shakers of the lodge, and we said, hey, from here on out, if you're if you've given us the, the commitment and you told us you're going to do this, this is no longer a volunteer organization, man. We're in it because everybody has skin in the game. Everybody is just involved and we're counting on you. We're relying on you. So we're not giving yeah. you the opportunity to call this a volunteer and, oh, you know, I don't need this. No, no, we're it's in like it or we're not. Well, again, it's your second home, but you got to treat it like your first. And if you don't care, then then you just did all this for ego because you were good enough to help us. Yeah. Sure, I will help the lodge, but I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, straight roll up my sleeves and do the work. I'm here to help but, and advise and counsel. But you want me to show up early and set up? No, 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 no. That's not me. That's that's. That's when you are going to fall in danger. And you could test it and you see it. You see your officers who really does show up and help set up mm -hmm. or stays afterward and helps break down. And who doesn't? Who's like, oh, I showed up late and I got to leave early. Then you know what kind of leader you're going to have in the long run. And if you're willing to work around that, then, you know, they're only going to serve for one year, right? Like somebody once told me, it's only, he's only up there for one year. We can manage. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know how many times I heard that. And you know what? Every time I've heard that, it's been a disaster. And, and now we got to pick up the pieces. I mean, it has. It, it really has. Just like uh, the same as uh, I was on uh, on Wednesday came you with Rob Johnson. And I told him, man, you know, I, I hate the one will have you whisper good counsel in his ear. You know, I hate that one, man. Because by that, if you're asking some brother, have you whispered good counsel in it? That means that the problem has already festered. That, that means that the problem has been festering and it's grown to a proportion now that someone has to uh, set you aside and, hey, have you, have you whispered? Yeah, ma'am, how many times do I got to whisper, keep whispering good counsel in his ear before we got to smack him, you know, and say, hey. And now now he has the perfect excuse. Hey, what's this volunteer? And you know what, man, I'm out of here. And so, you know, the volunteer, the, the, the volunteer organization thing, if you have a, a number of, of uh you know, dedicated brethren, 
that volunteer organization thing was out the window. Like, hey, this is our second home. This is where we got to be. We love doing what we're doing. There's sacrifices that got to be made and we're going to do it. You know, we're committed and that's it. So no more talk about this. Well, it's just a volunteer organization, but it brings me back to this point. And we had a good talk about it one time and that's guarding the West Gate. And uh, man, you had some gems. I mean, and we talked and I wish we took no, one of those conversations, you know, that you wish hey, we had a stenographer or somebody. What, what did I say? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You had some gems, but it was, it was due to our experience. We had some like mutual experiences as past masters and, uh, and putting in a lot of work at, at our individual lodges and, you know, not just us, right. There's a lot of different ones, but the stuff that we observed. And when it came to uh, the, the discussion of guarding the West gate, how important it was. And that's the first step, you know, of any lodge. And that's the first step of the eight steps of excellence guarding the West gate. Everything you talked about today, if you, if you boil it down, it boils down back to, to guarding the West gate, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what has been your experience, you know, with guarding the West gate, eight steps of excellence, but in particular that guarding the West gate and with Freemasonry at your lodge. Well, I think like we've discussed before, I think when, when we make things easy for people, then they don't appreciate it as much and they don't have that understanding of it. Right. Like, and I think like at our lodge, our practice has always has been like when somebody visits, we take down their contact information and we invite them to anything that they can attend and 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 get to know them. Like we tell them off the bat, that, you know, you need to come for at least six consecutive months or seven consecutive events before you ask for an application at this lodge. And that's just the minimum. And 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 you you don't get you don't go on a first date and decide to marry that person after that first date you might think oh wow there's a lot of fireworks here and i want to continue this on because this might be the one but you definitely want to create a relationship between you and the lodge and the brothers that you're that that you're meeting there and we also you know what we do we encourage visitors to visit other local lodges in the area because when they apply at our lodge, we want them to feel confident that this was the best decision, the best lodge for them to join at that at this time. Now, like, you know, you went around like right, we use a, I use a high school example. Like, you know, there's one high school that has a great football team. There's another high school that has a great mm -hmm. debate team. There's another high school that has a great chess team. If you're a chess player, why do you want to join the lodge with a great football team if you don't care for football? You're not going to have anything in common. You're going to get your degrees and you're going to disappear. Or you might not even get all your degrees. So you really have to find that connection with a lodge that in the area, especially out here, that we have enough that they can go to. And they really take that to heart. And we've and I've had several, you know, applicants say, Yeah, I, I visited this lodge, I visited this lodge, I visited this lodge, and I think this is the best fit for me. And this is why I would like an application for this lodge. And that's that gives us more confidence that they've done their due diligence and 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 saw what was out there and we have what they're looking for and when we have them join our lodge and go through enter apprentice degree classes like we do they're going to show up they're not going to be like well what is this you know i didn't join a lodge to read i didn't join a lodge to study and take more tests i joined it because i, I like the social aspect and i'm like well you know that lodge over there does a great 
spiritual thing. Why don't you go check them out? See if that's a better fit for you. See, so that's that's what we do when we have visitors come to our lodge and 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 seek out masonry. We really lay it out like this is what we do here. This is what we teach, and this is and this is a kind of member that we we want at our lodge. And you have to commit. If you can't commit, if you don't have time for it, that's fine. The lodge is always going to be here. When you're ready to put in the time, it's here. And you know, one time we had two people like say, you know what, I don't have time right now, but when I do, I'll be back. And like a couple of years later, they came back and joined. <laughs> they were like, I thought they were just kind of like already flaking us off, like, all right, yeah. I'm gonna go join another lodge. Yeah. But no, they really like, you know what, they were really being honest, like, you know what, I don't have time. My daughter is in her yeah. events. I, but I'll come back. And two years later, like this one brother, <laughs> then a year later after that, the other one showed up and they now they're on their way to become master masons. And you know that that we've had that happen uh, with the, and that was it truly, you know, when I talked to the person, they're like, no, this is what happened. You know, all of a sudden, you know, because you, because of the way you guys said it, uh, it caused me to reflect. And there was some things going on in my personal life and with the work. So I realized I wasn't going to have any time. So I want to just be honest with you. And I was like, hey, it worked. You know, it yeah. worked. So we didn't waste, he didn't waste our time. We didn't waste his. And it, you know. But I worked. think that's where a lodge's responsibility is to be transparent with a visitor that wants to become a member. And not just say, oh, you're interested? Here's the application. Bring it in and we'll read it at the next meeting. Because you still have lodges out there like that. So, and I think that is not only a disservice to their lodge, but to masonry as a whole. Because then you know, again, it's popcorn masonry. You're just giving them something and they're not earning it. And then where, show me your statistics that by doing that, they are sticking around and holding the fort, becoming officers or helping you plan events. Show me the statistic that that's that kind of, that kind of um, exchange of not guarding the West Gate is really working. You know, huh. we do it because we know it works. We know it helps, you know, um, filter out the people that are not really in it for the long haul and guard that's just guarding the west gate from you know cowans and eavesdroppers and also non-members what about uh and I, I wonder if you put any thought into it because you know as soon as i started practicing this all of a sudden i started saying okay where else even in our own ritual do we have a built-in guarding the west gate um you, you know, have you thought about that? You know what I'm talking about? Or, or how many, how many other more times do we have opportunities? Do we have to guard the West Gate before, before a person gets initiated, after he gets initiated, before he gets passed, you know, after he gets passed and before he gets raised? Well, yeah, we do. We, we, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it gets asked by the master at every degree, uh, right? Like, yeah. you know, if you yeah. have an objection, do it now, or if not, you know, yeah. hold your peace. Yeah. But, but by that point, I think it's already, well, it's never too late, but if you didn't do your due diligence before they joined, you know, yeah. unless it's something cataclysmic that it just all of a sudden, hey, this guy got arrested because he beat his wife. All right, well, we're going to have a discussion that we need to put a stop to this right now. Right. Right. But by that point, it's the ball's already started rolling and you should have done your due diligence before in, in getting to know this individual. Like I really try to get to know the, the, the candidate when I'm there as much as I can, like from 
you know, what time he goes to work, the family or no family school, like you right. want to have that interpersonal relationship. Cause then you also start to understand their limitations as well and their commitments, other commitments that they might have or what they're going to be able to bring into the lodge that it might need or already has and maybe introducing the other brothers or you're a dentist. Oh, so-and-so is a dentist too. Come over here, meet him. I mean, you know, and, and, and when you don't have those talks, then you really are missing out on an opportunity to, to, to not only, as we say, make him a brother, but a friend as well. You know, that's, that's so true. That's, and recently one of our prospects, he uh, began to reach out to a few of us at Lodge <clears throat> because uh, he went on your website, on your guys' website, and he read that very thing that you just said, and it impacted him. And he says, you know what? After finish, you know, after I read that, he says, I realized that I, that I need to work harder at making at least two of you, for, you know, friends of mine and, you know, you, vice versa. So I say, hey, man, thanks, doggo and guys, you know, it, you know, thanks for putting it on the website and, and you articulated it in, a, in such a way that it impacted at least that member that's, that's, uh, his name is John Stozier. A good dude. We, you know, he's been coming around for about nine months, and uh, that impacted him so much. And this is recent. This isn't something like four months ago, you know, or five, six months ago. This was. He's already been coming around, and and he happened to be browsing the web and found your website and read that, and bam! Hey, next thing you know, he's calling us and texting us. Hey, can we get together? I want to talk to you guys. You know, and he, I was like, all right, all right, you're getting it. You're getting it. Beautiful. Now. The, you know, guarding the Westgate, going through the stuff that, that has to be gone through in order to make a lodge strong, we're still losing members. We don't know when that's, eventually it's got to stop, right? The bleeding's got to stop. There's, there's a whole, uh, there's a bunch of other dynamics right now that are really affecting everything, everything, including Freemasonry, you know, from the from this, you know, pandemic now to this, uh, you know, war of words with the Ukraine and, and the news and what have you. And society is just being changed dramatically. So when people are coming to the lodge uh, and they're seeking not only further light, they're seeking something like stable, something solid from Freemasonry because that's what they're getting. I mean, then we have pillars and stuff, you know, stability, you know, and, and consistency. They're, they're looking for meaning. And you guys are actually, you know, because this is the closest lodge I think we have. I don't know what other lodge after that that has the kind of practices that you guys have. Uh, have you visited other lodges around your area that, that are similar, that are doing some of the stuff that you guys are as far as observant practices? And I don't even know we should call it that because that's like, it's just what the founding members, you know, intended. Just like that article on from uh, what is it, the Masonic Restoration Foundation? There's a big article mm -hmm. that the the original intent of the founders was da da da. The original, you know, they da, da. you guys do a lot of that, and so that's impacted the culture, and slowly but surely, has been changing. Now, what is it going to take, in your opinion? What is it going to take for Freemasonry in California? Not, not, not anywhere else, just as a focus on California to begin to turn the tide. Well, see, that's a, that's a heavy question. If I had yeah. the answer to that, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but I could tell you what we've been doing at our lodge, and that is 
going back to that talk we had last time with my lecture of Fight Club and Freemasonry. All right. right? Like all right. The Let's theme, talk about that. The theme under all that was, you know, being a role model. And 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 you as an individual being an example of what of 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 what that role model should be. And I think when uh, especially when we have younger candidates visiting the lodge wanting to join Masonry, they are looking to 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 have somebody to model themselves after, something to emulate. And they're looking for that more and more now than before, that spiritual connection that they can find within themselves with the tools that masonry can provide them if the lodge knows how to educate and explain all that to them see that's the that's the difference right because you give them a really good degree and then okay thank you bye and then they're kind of left on their own trying to figure that out but if you give them a really good degree and then set them down and ask them so how do you think you're going to apply that yeah. you know 24 inch gauge to your life you know how do you think you're going to apply that trowel to your life like outside of masonry in the universal world in, in the external world in the community with your family then it makes them really contemplate yeah their own baggage connection with the tool and how they can work on themselves that slowly chipping away at the rough bachelor to become a more smoother one to reach that level of divinity and perfection right that we will never really reach but we can definitely work every day and strive to accomplish it and if if lodges kind of represented themselves more in that manner, I think that more men, because I don't think we need numbers. I just think we really need the quality, right? Correct. The quality of men that comes Correct. in because, and, and also this fear of like the line has to be progressive. You have to push officers every year to go up to right. the east. I think that's also something that needs to be looked at and put a pause on. Like if you're going to serve in the line, be ready to serve in the same chair for two years maybe three years at least. Mm -hmm. So you really know the work and you're not straining your line and having holes left and right. If your culture is about not rushing through the line, but being ready, which is another principle of the eight observant practices, I think you, you have a healthier line of officers than many of our lodges do. It's like with all these holes and past masters trying to fill them because it's just moving so fast and people just don't have the time to catch up and and memorize the work well it helps promote continuity too which a lot of people are looking for they're looking for a consistency and continuity and if if they run into something that you just explained and people are being rushed and you, you made them wait for six to 12 months to get an application all of a sudden they come in and you're they're seen rushing and it's it's inconsistent with what you were you know promoting yeah but i but to answer your question even more mm -hmm. i think that we as Masons and, you know, even senior officers or senior members of the lodge need to do the work within ourselves and within our lodges to really keep our lodges healthy and stop blaming, well, Grand Lodge is not doing enough for right, us. Right. Well, that other lodge right. is making us look bad. Well, that other lodge is taking away our members. It's, it's, then what are you doing? Right. You know, you're just crying because you are not doing the work. You don't want to roll up your sleeves and do the internal work on yourself or do the work around the lodge, Which, or you might be doing it. You think you're doing it, but maybe you might not be doing it with the right intent. I don't know. But I think sometimes before you start blaming anything else for what's going wrong in your lodge, you need to kind of be reflect, take a moment of reflection and see, well, what are we doing wrong?
what am I doing wrong? And How should we approach this differently? Because what we've been doing hasn't been working. What you just said right now, what, what, something that you just said, just a couple of sentences right before you finish, was doing the work. You, you're not doing the work, which ties into, you know, Masonic muscle. And, you know, I do talk about exercise and all that. And, you know, the, the parallel I like to, to share with people are in Freemasonry, we're given tools, you know, to help us become better men. And in, and in a gym, we're given tools to help us build a better body, which helps us build self-esteem, confidence, helping us become better men. And you guys have a gym. In South Pasadena Lodge, if you guys don't know, they've got a nice little gym upstairs. And you were just telling me one of your new brothers, uh, EAs, came in recently and he decided to spearhead the program to clean up the lodge. Tell us about that. Yeah, Brother Fernando Laguna. Uh, EA saw the lodge, especially after that pandemic, during that pandemic, during the closures, it became, it turned into like a storage room all of a sudden. <laughs> so when we came back, it was like, oh, wow, what happened to the, to the gym? And he was inspired by it. And he saw the potential in it. Like a lot of us did early on when we had originally moved it into that location where it is now. And he asked, you know, the lodge, like, can I, can I have a few brothers come to the lodge and like help, um, uh, clean it up and reorganize it because I could I would love to use it. I have a couple of other brothers that have expressed interest in using it. I'm a certified trainer. I could also you know do some classes in there with these brothers. And he got the blessing of the lodge to do it. And they showed up on a Saturday morning and for for a few hours and dolled it up and cleaned it up and made it nice and presentable, which were the pictures that you saw. And and that was and that was great. That was beautiful because he was able to take ownership of the lodge and make it better, right? And this is what we like to bestow, and that's why I like to tell him, you know, even though your lodge treat your lodge, even though it's your second home, treat it like your first, and that and he took that to heart. So look at the buy-in that he has already and his contribution to the lodge as an EA already. Can can you imagine when he becomes a master mason? So. That's really inspiring to me, you know, as a two-time past master lodge. But I also showed up to show my support and help him. And that's something that a lot of older members or of the lodge need to be aware of. If you got a young member that's willing to do something, don't just nod your head and say, go ahead and do it. Show up and show your support. Help them. Let them know that you do care of your own lodge and that you're there to see him through a vision that he had for it. And I think that that goes a long way in solidifying a relationship between brothers at a lodge, for sure, for sure. And I mean, that goes without saying, right? You're in a lodge meeting, uh, ideas begin to get bounced around as to what to do. A bunch of people nod their heads, they give the go ahead, and then nobody shows up. Right. Because in their minds or something, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying in their minds, they equate the support ending at them nodding their heads and then giving you the okay. That's the, the extent sure. of, of their support, not a hey, let's show up because if other people show up, they'll see us here as well. And, you know, they'll, they'll see unity. They'll see people working together and, you know, 12, 12 members. I've been to, I've been to Masonic events where it's open to the public 
and I begin to look for actual members of that lodge. And there's just the one brother that organized it. No other members of the lodge is present. And that's, that's uh, symptomatic. That's it's, you know, it's everywhere. It's rampant. It's not just one lodge. I, you know, I began to hear stories of others and I'm like, man, what, what's, what's going on? You don't even have to do anything. Just show up and show yourself. And that, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause that's at stated meetings. When I want to comment on that, that's what yeah. I say. All you need to do is show up. Yeah. That's all you need to do is show up. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because yeah, it's like, then that goes a long way. You know, when you see somebody there that you weren't expecting at like a, a work party, if you will, it, it, it changes your perspective about them. It really, it really solidifies a connection and, and it's important. And every lodge should think about that senior members when you have younger members wanting to do something and you nod your head and, or approve it at a lodge meeting, show up, show your support. You know what, what? Speaking of that, and and I know a lot of uh, a lot of podcasts, especially on masonry, for whatever reason, they don't like to really. And it's not focusing; it's just being, it's in my opinion, just being realistic about what you're observing. And that is like, what has been some of for you, for you, and by now you've probably figured out how to deal with it. But what were some of like the disappointments? You know that that you began to experience as a member, and then you're going to the chairs, and then. You just mentioned one of them right now. We just mentioned one of them. Hey, we, you know, we, we want to do certain things and then nobody shows up to support. Even, even as something as easy as, you know, uh, a work day. And we just, we need five brothers because we'll be done in about 40 minutes. And because this, this closet needs to be cleaned. And, and it's just you and the guy that thought of the, the idea. Nobody else shows up. Well, there's, there's several things, but I think you're, you're learning, right. As you're going through it and, but like, just as simple as like, Hey, we want to, we want to change the furnishings in the rec room. And then there's blowback. Well, what's wrong with the chairs we have there now? (laughs) I'm like, well, they're ripped and they're from the 1940s (laughs) and they're not presentable. Like at that point, like, it's not like we can switch them out for newer chairs. Right. and I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to go look for the best price, the best right, chair, right. order them and do all that stuff. I just need the approval from the Hall Association. But here you are, somebody that's not going to do anything to it to, yeah. to get it done, already throwing a wrench into it. And guess who's going to be the first person to sit on that chair when it arrives? That guy, that, that same guy. guy. <laughs> that's the naysayer, the naysayer. But I learned that at our lodge, we have an elevator. Yeah, right. I saw it, yeah. The building's been around since 1930, and there was no mm-hmm. elevator. You, the younger Masons would have to wait downstairs for the older brothers and carry them up the 32 steps into the dining room nice. during meetings or degrees or whatever because there was no elevator. In the 80s, they fought to get an elevator, the Hall Association. Well, the, the younger guys were the, against the older guys, <laughs> and the older guys wouldn't have it. So the younger mm-hmm. guys reached into their own pockets to raise yeah. the money for the elevator and not until the older guys found out that this was actually going to happen that they acquiesced and said, all right, let's get the elevator. And the story that I hear is like, and guess who were the first people that got on that elevator? The naysayers. The naysayers. <laughs> <laughs> they were the first one. Yeah. They broke it. Yeah. Whatever. They're like, they're the first one. They broke it in and they're like, they're the ones not. And they were the older ones that needed help getting up the steps. So you kind of see how it becomes an ego sort of trip in a way. I, I always feel like if you're not... What I tell the incoming senior officers, if 
or everybody, like if you're not going to burn the lodge down, if you're not going to make it go bankrupt, and if you're not going to defy the California Masonic Codebook, then it's all game. Then throw it out there. Yep. If you're willing to do the yep. work, bring it up, yep. bring it up. But those are the three stipulations. As long as you don't do, as, you, as long as you don't cross any of those three, then it shouldn't be that much of an issue. Bring it up. Now, you just said your your lodge is is 133 uh, years old, and I was talking to you and I asked you some very specific questions, and you didn't hesitate. And, and what I was, you know, it was circling around when I first went there to Masonic meditations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I was with Dave Matthews because he's the one that that introduced me to that member of Palm Springs Lodge. And he's like, hey, man, there's some Masonic meditations going on over there. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And he showed me the, you know, an email that he received because I wasn't on your emailing list yet. So after a few months, I went with him. And as soon as I walked in the door, I'm like, there, there was you guys were already upstairs, I think. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. know you I know you were there and I know Doug was there and Jerry L was there. But you guys were upstairs, right? The door was open. And as soon as I started walking up the stairs, I'm like, dude, who's here? Like, what the hell? And, and Dave's like, what are you talking about, man? You know, so later on, once I got in the lodge room, I'm like, hey, like, for me, inside of me, like, there's other people here, not just physically. So You felt the energy? You felt the energy yeah, of the I past felt, brothers? Yeah. If the, you know, so I'm thinking, hey, there's got to be things that happen in this lodge. There has to be things that have, you know, that are paranormal or whatever. You know, what have you, have you experienced something like that? Sure. I've heard the, 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 like the floor creak, like somebody's walking, but there's nobody there of her. Um, there was, uh, next time you come, remind me to show you the picture of the brother that donated a lot of the rec room stuff, okay. like the pool tables and things like that. Okay. Supposedly he haunts the lodge. Like some oh, people have seen him. They're like, oh, I just saw this guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that picture's from 1940. Like, he's been dead for so long. They're like, no. Well, they told I just, you they like, saw, saw him. They what? saw him. Like, where? The Where though? Like around the lodge, like walk across the hall or something. Like they saw him. Yeah, and so I'm he, like, he would really? just walk in casually by, like he didn't talk yeah. to them? He just No, he just, just walked by. That's what probably, I, that's what, was, I've never seen him, but that's what I've heard. He or was I've probably heard late some, to lodge. He was probably just keeping, you know, <laughs> keeping it in check. Yeah. Or, but I've heard people say that they felt somebody like touch him, but there was nobody there, like an arm, a hand. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't really felt that, but I do, I do, I do sense the presence of other people there. Some of the time when I'm at the lodge. Yeah. The, the clincher for me was that we, we were in the middle of our meditations. Right. And for those of you brothers who haven't experienced it yeah, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, for sure should get a hold of somebody that knows how to, you know, lead these and conduct these because Doug Russell was very good. He was very good with that, but we're in the middle of this, right. And there's, you know, a, a cool down, you're, you're, you're breathing and you're getting the body relaxed and the mind ready for whatever the meditation is going to be. And the, the, the symbol or a certain phrase of, of, you know, of a first, second or third degree. And so now, you know, he repeats it. He says what the, what we're going to meditate on and okay, close your eyes and, visualize right and and what once i close my eyes bam like the the uh vision of some man's face was right Wait. in my face so i opened my eyes real quick but everyone else was you know their eyes were closed they were relaxing so i'm like what the like okay that what You're the like, hell just happened i better shut my eyes well maybe yeah. i'll show you that picture maybe it was that old that guy uh, maybe but it was a you know and a lady too there was some lady. oh wow eastern yeah. star eastern star 
Yeah, those those are the two things that I saw. I, I closed my eyes, you know, the second like once I, I said, "Hey, someone's playing with me." Like, what the hell? What is this? So I started to relax again. I started to meditate and follow Doug's, you know, instructions. And the lady uh, showed up. So I'm, now I just kept my eyes closed. I'm like, okay, well, what what does this mean? But then it disappeared, and then I started focusing on on what it was. So I'm like, hey, this place has to be whether you want to call it haunted or whatever. Is the, the spirit's got to be here? They, they still got to be here. Can you give me a minute? Let me go shut a door real quick. Sure. Yeah, so there's ghosts at the lodge. You know, you're, you're confirming my suspicions. You're confirming my Now I want to go even more. Um, you should bring one of those, like, like what do they call them? That, that reads energy, like this, like, radiator thing. Yeah, yeah. That'll be cool. I'm going to call those guys up. What are they, the ghost hunters or whatever? I'm going to tell them. To we go had there. a brother that would do that stuff. And he actually, yeah. he said he was going to bring one and he never did. But I told him, yeah, yeah let's see where yeah. if you pick up on energy. Yeah, And the energy wasn't, you know, for those of you listening that are going to be listening, the energy wasn't negative. It wasn't like scary. It's just, you felt, you yeah. felt the energy change and you're like, whoa, what's going on here you know but i just i just went with it you know i was rolled rolled with it i was walking up the stairs with dave matthews and then he knew exactly where to go already so i was just paying attention and being aware of of how it changed i was like whoa okay this ought to be interesting one more and some people are more in tune into that stuff that's the thing if you're like like obviously you are so you would definitely sense it and feel it you know quicker than i i i'm not that in tune it's like it it takes a strong spirit to mm. let me to let me know that they're there. <laughs> <That> they're there. <laughs> hey, okay, so uh, I'm I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit. I'm gonna ask you uh, uh, something that because because you're in Southern California Research Lodge, because you're they're the present master. You've been you've been a master before, right? This is your second time of, uh, this, uh, uh, for the research lodge. Yeah. This is this is my fourth year. The fourth being year a master of the research lodge, and yes. so a lot of research, a lot of uh, you come upon a lot of different ideas. And so I wanted to ask you something that two more questions, right? As, as we're closing this out, we've had a great discussion here. Let me bring this over here. So my first question is this and, and pay attention. What conspiracy theory has helped shape your perception of Freemasonry and our world? What conspiracy theory has helped shape your perception of Freemasonry and our world? Because I, I can I can help you out real quick. For me, it, it was that uh, somehow we had the Ark of the Covenant, you know, that through the Knights Templars, you know, that's a conspiracy theory type thing. So it helped shape my understanding of Freemasonry and what could possibly be going on with this organization, right? Later yeah. on, you you know, you you research and you begin to find out, okay, you know, what you're going to find out. Well, the the one that kind of comes to mind right away is the idea that you know we 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 run the world right okay at one point masons ran the world but that we still ran the world and you know when i first joined i was like we can't even decide where, right, where right. to go to dinner right like <laughs> yeah that's so that was completely squashed but um the underlining thing there is is that it gives you the tools to manage your own world your inner sanctum sanctorum if you will like it's 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 you you are the master of your own universe if you know how to apply those tools and put them into practice so 
even though it was a big conspiracy theory in the minutest sense, it what it is kind of true when you apply it to the self. And I can add to that because you're yeah. right. I can add to that. What my thinking was later on, as I began, uh, as I joined and I continued to research and read, I was like, okay, if an organization has the ability to exist for 300 years, there, there's power behind it. You, you cannot exist if you don't have organization, if you don't, if you don't have power, money to continue yeah. to exist. Influence, right? Yeah, and influence. influence. And, and enough influence because masonry was being attacked from all sides at one point, especially from a big organization, you know, back in 1738 when the, the Pope, you know, uh, gave his papal mm -hmm. bull of you no know, Catholics can become... Amazing. So I thought, okay, in order for an organ, any organization to survive for 300 years, they have to have influence, they have to have good organizational skills, and they have to have money. So there is some, you know, some validity to the conspiracy theory that Freemasons have power, but it's just how you describe how you define that power. What kind of power sure, are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So that, that's how I would answer your question. That, that's how you would answer that one? All right. Without going into details, what is your favorite of the three degrees? Such a... I know. Um, I, know. I, I, you know, we just had a second degree and I remember delivering that middle chamber lecture and what it says. And to me, that's still like... Yeah. That, I, I wouldn't call it my favorite degree. I would call it my favorite lecture out of the three because it really kind of hits on that idea that we have the power to create and the power to create can influence and change the lives of others if you do it with the right intentions. Yes. And that's yeah. so, so telling and so powerful. And I didn't understand that until I became a senior deacon and had to memorize it and started to read through, right. the, through the, the subtext, like in between the lines. And if you break it down, it gives you that overall theme of the power to create and the ability to use those arts and sciences to create things that can be, you know, game changers, influential to the world, you know, around us. So, so that, is, that's for, powerful. For you, it's not necessarily a degree. It's that second degree lecture that is, yeah. is your favorite uh, point. It's like a pivot point for you. It's like a central theme. Sure. If not, I would say, God, I think it's like the first degree. If you put a gun in my head, like I think would be the initiation, the initiation into it all. I think the, the, the feeling and the, and the symbolism in the first degree, I think is, is the one that leaves a big impression on everybody for, for sure as their gateway into masonry. Now. Okay. You answered those well and quicker than what I thought. Good. How often do you speculate on the true origins of Freemasonry? speculate on the true origins like what do you mean true origins yeah i mean what are the true like you know what are the true origins of freemasonry you know I'm, I'm, we're speculative masons right so we're supposed to be speculating are we are we speculative yeah. masons? well are we are we not applying these we, tools to our daily lives i feel like i'm taught, an operative mason yes you are correct and that takes work though well that's what, that's what we're supposed to do right i mean like, if you're going to apply masonry to your life it's going to take work every day it's going to take work the reason why i say that is because how many true master masons have you met since you became a master mason? Yeah, not a lot. Well, not, not a lot. A, not a lot. <laughs> not, 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 again, it goes back to those role models. Like think, 
you know, you think back to when you first started in masonry and who did you look up to in the lodge? Mm-hmm. Who were your role models in your lodge or outside of the lodge? You're like, wow, like, you know, that's the kind of life, like when I would meet older brothers, like that's, if I could, if I could be his age, when I'm his age, if I could end up like him, I would have won the lottery. I would be, I would die a happy man, you know? So what did he do? What were the steps? So I would, mm. you know, you talk to them, you kind of get to know them, right? you kind of see what motions they went through, even though they were from a different generation, a different time, you know, the, the, the needs are still usually the same that we have as men living in this, in this material world. So, so yeah, so I, so I've met, I've met some for sure, but not a lot, you know, isn't that profound right there? I mean, what you just said, the question was simple and you just said, I've met some, but not a lot. (laughs) For sure. And, but uh, yeah. And you, but I'm conflicted because it's like saying, well, how many women have you met that you would have, that you would say that could have been my wife and I would have been happily ever after with her. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very well put. Very that's well where, put. so I, so I'm conflicted with that idea. Like I shouldn't, I, you should, they should all be this way, but <laughs> the fact that there aren't shows you how, how much time and energy you have to put into becoming a better person, right? Like, like you said, the working out Masonic mm-hmm. muscle, like, you know, you're not going to have a six pack by working out one day a week, no. you know, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to earn it. And then you're going to appreciate it. Then you are going to want to take your shirt off and run around and mm-hmm. be posting in social media. Look at me, yeah, look but, at me. but because you've worked at it, you worked so hard and you've earned it. Right. And I think that goes to, that goes the same way with like those influential masons that you that cross paths in your life you really you learn to appreciate them but you also with the experience that you have already come with the understanding that damn they did a lot of work they put a lot of work into this and that's beautiful then that's inspiring encouraging that if i put in the work i'm not going to end up in the gutter right right it does work these are the examples that it does work when you apply them correctly when a man joins Freemasonry, does he truly join a group of like-minded men? No, he doesn't. Why not? He doesn't. He doesn't join a group because everybody has a different experience mm. and everybody comes from a different experience. And that is the beauty of Masonry is that you can, you know, we had a past master, a clean cut past master once say, you know, mm-hmm. the way I know if this candidate is going to become a brother at our lodge is if I am willing to invite him to thanksgiving dinner to sit at my table mm. so when he says that he's this clean cut you know accountant brother and he's allowing this long black hair tattooed pierced brother into the right, lodge right. and welcomes him as a brother and is willing to have him sit you're not you're telling me that they're both come from the same experience from the same background absolutely not but are they sharing the same experience in masonry yes they are well they are even- sharing experience the reason why i asked that question is because this is some of the stuff rhetoric that's thrown out if you go online and you begin to read the rhetoric from other masons or even grand lodges you know oh you're going to join an organization of like-minded individuals and you just said yeah yeah no right and i know the truth no that's not true that's not true well in a way they're and that's a conflict well it's it's conflicting and it's confusing people because now when they join, they're like, hey, I thought I was going to join 
a, a lot of like-minded people. What I'm finding is we're not like-minded. So it needs yeah, to be I, rephrased. Huh? It needs yeah, to be yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Because it, yeah. it could, the message can get lost there because you become mm -hmm. like-minded in the philosophy of Freemasonry if, if you are both taught or if you, if you understand it in the same way. But you come from different experiences to come together, to be in peace and in harmony, and to work together as a team for the greater good of the whole. And right, you know, and you, I think you just answered this question here because uh, you know it, it leads directly into what you just said. And I think you beat me to the punch. Shame on you, Dougal. Right, we, <laughs> And so we often hear that in Freemasonry there is no politics, right, and religion in the lodge, but this is not true. Because if you stick around for a while, you begin to see the Lodge's own politics begin to rear its ugly head. Yeah. What has been your experience with this and how did you handle it? <sighs> well, I mean, I think, I, again, it goes back to like, well, what, on, are brother. We go, Let us have what are we going to have for dinner? And you can't decide as a group. So then it <laughs> turns into the democracy of well, majority rules. Yeah. These ones want sushi. These ones, these ones, these other ones want pasta. Right. So we take a poll and the, and the vote, the majority of the lodge votes to do this. So we end up doing this. And that's the beautiful democratic thing that we end up doing within a lodge is that it is the majority rules. And I, I don't know. I think you do have, I mean, this is why you have stated meetings and you have discussions. I mean, of course, you know, it could get political in the, in that sense of the term, but, but, but you have to talk it through, which is what's missing nowadays in the outside political realm, right? It's like both sides don't want to come together for the greater good of all. It's like, well, this is my agenda. Oh, well, this is my agenda. And if we both don't like it, well, We'll just have to put more of us in here to vote you out and outrule you, which the reality needs to be. We both need to sit down together and see what's best for the whole and not just for one side or the other. And that is, and, you know, unfortunately, this is why we need more Masons in politics now. <laughs> right? Because that's, that's, that's what I see in my lodge experience that happens more. It's like, yeah, once there is a disagreement, it becomes into a dis turns into a discussion on how best we can serve the lodge. And I think that's whenever I'm trying to push something through at the lodge, I'm like, my stance is always about this is, we're doing this because this is how we make our lodge better or our experience mm -hmm. in the lodge better. You're not making me, you're, I'm not getting anything out of it except the gratification of seeing it through to see everybody else enjoy it. And if you don't want to see everybody else enjoy it, then fine, you know, then less work for me. But this is what idea do you have? Well, and then that's where the lodge plans come, comes in, you know, your your vision, your mission statement. And then what are your what's your five year plan? What's your one year plan? Absolutely. Because absolutely. That, that it's within that realm. It's, it, you know, this is what we agreed upon and, and this will help promote it. And so why aren't we doing it type type of, you know, because I've had to have the, those types of discussions in the lodge room and whether sitting in the east or not someone's got to say it but it's within it was within that realm it's like hey man have we forgotten we have a one-year plan the one-year plan says you know you bring it out and look and look i think here, every, guys and every lodge needs to sit down and have a fight and, and discuss well their vision of the lodge where do in five years when i come into my lodge what do i want to see 
made better. Yeah. And this is the discussion that every lodge needs to have amongst themselves and brainstorm. And sure, if you just want to make it a social lodge, well, great. How are you going to make that better? How is that going to keep the members coming to the uh, the same barbecue over and over, right? Like what's going to be so different about the barbecues that's <laughs> going to want them to show up all the time? If you want to have a social lodge, show me, tell me. And, yeah. and if it works, sure, let's buy into it and make it the best social lodge in the state. Shoot. Why not? Now, you went to Grand Lodge uh, communication this year. How was that? You know, I know there was a lot of differences because of what was happening, but how was it? How was the experience? Well, I worked the research lodge booth this past year, so I didn't really go into the session. But yeah, it was well, you know, they had the the city had their COVID protocols that in order to have it, the, lo- the Grand yeah. Lodge had to follow. So you had to get these, you know, colored bands on how much how close you wanted people to you and what you know where your mat yeah it had like a, the like a green, it was like a green red or yellow i think green was like you didn't Get care if people hugged. yeah really you, you didn't care if people what? hugged you if you were yellow you were just okay with a fist punch what? and if it was red like don't touch me i you know what? i might i might have flu symptoms right now but i tested negative wow. and everybody had to show their yeah, you had to be vaccinated. You had to show a vax card. Well, they sent us that email. Everybody, if yeah, you're planning on attending, yeah. you better be vaccinated. You had to be off. vaccinated going in, and then you got the wristband living to communicate with other people, like what your comfort level of <laughs> of of saluting or intimacy, I don't know, was. What? Yeah, and everybody had to wear a mask. It was it. You know, it's it's the historical time, man. I think. We, you know, write it down, write all this down because in 50 years, you know, the grandchildren or the younger, youngie, youngie Masons are going to ask you, well, how did you guys do it through the pandemic? That's what I did. I went back and looked at the minutes from the Spanish flu a hundred years ago because our lodge was around. And, and that's the one thing I wish they would have done more of is document that more because they still were able to have meetings, but they couldn't have socials or degrees, but they could still show up for state meeting. So there's minutes for all yeah. those meetings, yeah. And what? What? I mean, were Nobody, they discussing? They, they only, they didn't mention it blank point point blank. They were just like considering the circumstances. We will not oh. be able to go visit so and so. Politically correct. Yeah, they were very. And back then, there wasn't really trestle boards like we know them now with more information. It was just like your phone numbers, the list of members and phone numbers. Yeah. That was your trestle board. And unless the master had some correspondence, some edict to send out, you weren't really getting anything. And so that, or it was in the newspaper. Lodge meeting tonight at seven o'clock, tuxedos or not, suits, but not a trestle board. What? But yeah, yeah. So there was nothing detailed. So I wanted to make sure our trestle boards had like all the information. Like we would put pictures of brothers that got backs. We put pictures like, like we just wanted to make it known if we're still around a hundred years from now that like, yeah, like we, we suffered, we shut down, we couldn't have meetings, Yeah, but we were still trying to send out a trestle board and we had zoom meetings. We had a zoom installation, a digital yeah. installation twice unheard of two yeah. years in a row. I mean, ridiculous. You know what? And that, that hurt a lot of lodges. I remember I was talking to my district inspector, when this first started and I told him Jim Ridley, right. He's not, he, he had termed out, but I was like, Jim, I go, man, this is going to hurt a lot of lodges that are already on the verge, you know, that, that are been teetering for a while because they're not going to know how to, if they're already struggling meeting in person, they're not going to know how to handle this 
and they're not going to communicate with any. And sure enough, you know, start you start hearing these these stories about lodges. Yeah. They they went even more. They separated even more. You know, well, they, it's funny because everybody on Zoom was like, "Oh, I can't wait till we open. Oh, we're going to flood yeah, the lodge. Whatever. Get ready, get yeah. ready." And I was like, "All right, we'll see. I'll see you at that first stated meeting." And they showed up, and then after that, it was no more. <laughs> and I told Jim the same thing, and 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 I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I'm not the only one then, um, because there was, and, and they began. Some of my uh, you know lodge members, they were like, "Why are you being so negative?" Well, man, I'm not being negative. What I'm telling you is that as soon as we open, you watch those guys that that, have, that are all raw, raw, man, I can't wait for laws to open. They're not going to be there. No one's oh, yeah. going to be there. It's not going to change anything. So well, I think I, I was optimistic, but I also had one foot on reality where yeah. I was thinking, well, what changed all of a sudden that you're going to commit to it full heart, right. full heart wholeheartedly now? Right. The ones that have been committed, I knew were going to be as committed afterwards. Right. But the ones that weren't as committed, I, yeah. I was not holding my breath. I was yeah. like, well, sure, you'll come in the, once you get after the after that first month or two. Let's see. Let's see how you hold out. Yeah. And and so what, what and at Grand Laws Communication, what about the uh, the dinner? I mean, the same deal. People were just. It was the know. dinner was the same. It was it was faster, though, because I know they were hyping it up that it was going to be like the welcome back dinner. But it felt like the previous dinner, if not shorter in the sense that last time they had the awards that they handed out, they didn't do that this year. They didn't they do that this a, year? No. Oh, wow. This past year, they just had an yeah. uh, opera singer do some, I believe it was some musical opera numbers. And then, and we had the dinner. Hmm. We had the dinner um, and it was over. Like you didn't get out. Like don't, don't, you still had to wear your mask unless you were eating. And I mean, it was full, but it was not like, it wasn't as different as like other dinners. Didn't you get some kind of award or no? Some kind of the, recognition? The, the, new, the magazine got, well, actually, the, well, the year before Masonicon got a marketing award. Okay. And then the year before that, the Research Lodge got a magazine award. And where's the Masonicon going to be this year? It's going to be at South Pasadena on the 22nd. Your lodge? Yeah, our lodge. Again, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of July. Um, you'll get a, you'll get word on it starting uh, maybe next month already. Next month, you'll start hearing a lot about it for sure. So by the week, end of it's it. a weekend by, event. Maybe. It's a weekend event. Big Fest Seven Courts Festive Board on Friday. Uh, we're going to do speakers, a single speakers on Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be we're going to try and do panels on Sunday. Okay. Uh, the theme is uh, masonry in the new millennium. Well, masonry in the new millennium. So we invited all the all the living authors that were in the top ten Masonic book poll to come and nice. speak. Nice. So you'll see who who made the list, <laughs> who committed to it, who committed to it. But it's most all of them. I'll say that. So it'll be a very in interesting mm -hmm. talk on how we see masonry in this new millennium and how we should move forward we're also going to have a couple of screenings with the filmmakers q a's afterwards so that's always fun and interesting <laughs> um, and we're going to try every, we're, we're going to try to keep everybody in the lodge by offering lunch and dinner as part of the ticket that's so that's a good idea you're gonna have so catering then oh yeah 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 we had lunch last time we had the seventh the festive board friday friday night and then on saturday we had lunch catered 
And then for dinner, we gave you two and a half hours break to do whatever, go wherever you wanted to go. And then we had the screenings. But last, last time they went to like one in the morning. Which, Holy. Yeah, we, but which was not going to happen this time. <laughs> it was fun gonna, though. It was fun. It, it sounds it sounds like fun. So I'm going to, I'm going to um, make plans uh, this year to go uh, and, uh, you know, go, go catch up with you guys and, uh, you know, increase and strengthen our, our fellowship bonds and, you know, all that good stuff. Hopefully, well, you know, those, food. these things also, I think when you go to these, it really becomes, you know, the edu the educational side is like the, is, is the, is the cake, right? The meat yeah. and potatoes of the cake, but the right. icing is always the memories that you make by meeting these brothers that are going to be coming from different parts of the country and from other lodges in the state, obviously, that you run into and these mm -hmm. connections and discussions that you have with them, um, those bonds that you make and you realize how small and close-knit masonry really makes us when you meet yeah. other brothers from other lodges and other states or countries for that matter. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience if you can have it. Yeah, if you can attend and, and be a part of it. I'm going to ask you one last question before we uh, we wrap this part up, because I'm, I'm just like I said last time, you know, uh, my desire is to continuously have you and Jerry Allen, and some of these other brothers that I've been talking to on from time to time, you know, where, mm -hmm. you know, uh, time allows and schedule permits because everybody's busy. But my last question, we've kind of we've kind of hit upon it around, you know, during this hour and a half. And that is, you know, where do you see Freemasonry going here in California with the amount of members that we have? You know, I think it's at 40,000, the last count. Yeah, under 50? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're under 40. We're under 44,000. We're like at 40,000 members. And, and the bleeding hasn't stopped, right? I like to put, I just like to put that to put it in perspective for the people listening. Like, hey, this thing isn't, isn't done yet. You know, there's kind of like a purging but at the same time of strengthening, where do you see California masonry headed going, you know, going with those numbers? Well, I think the most, the most, the most, some of the most time, well, I, I see it that the more, the smaller it is, the more concentrated it is. It could also, it, the more of an impact it has because yes. it's a strengthening within the lodge and then within the lodge, it happens within the district, within the district, then within the city, within the city, within the county region. And then so state. it's more focused. It's more focused. And and I think that I don't see I don't see it as a negative, honestly. I think that uh, people say dwindling, bleeding. I'm like mm -hmm. concentrate. How about we say concentrating it, focusing it, you know, because mm -hmm. I think now that the Grand Lodge is on board on this idea, and many are, that it's not about the numbers, but the, but, the, but the quality of the members, then I think it makes us think differently about our lodges and not say, well, whoever walks in the door, we got to take them. It's more about, no, whoever walks in the door, we're going to vet them before we take them. And if it's the same line of officers for the next five years, so be it, you know, well, so be yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the words that the choice of words that are used, like right now, you know, you're, you're saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm not so sure the, you know, bleeding and this, I put, I bring that out to see if it'll spark another question and say, Hey, well, what do you mean by you say it's the, the bleeding hasn't stopped? Well, 
there's a number of, of, of factors going into that, right? Okay. People so coming what, in. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you asked that. Dago. <laughs> what I mean by that is that we've, and we've experienced that we've been experiencing it since we joined you and I, you know, I joined back in, in 2000, you wow. joined a little bit later. And so, yeah. so what I've been seeing is number one, the members that were already there or joined at the same time as I did, a bunch of them left for whatever reason. They're, they're part of the bleeding that, that hasn't stopped because they continue to pay their dues. Some of them are up for suspension this year. You know, they're finally reached their, their limit or whatever. The newer guys coming in starting in 05, 06 with the movies that came out, um, Nicolas Cage and, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, National Treasure, yeah, Lost Dan Symbol, Brown, the book. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Those ones that came in, they, were, they came in expecting a lot of that. They didn't get it, so they began to bleed out, you know, a little bit. But the ones who stayed and were constant, people like yourself, people like myself, people like Jerry L that came back, they're the ones helping uh, stem the tide. Because we know it's not going to completely die out. I think we understand that. It's just a purging, more of a purging, more of a, hey, the ones who are going to stay, they're going to stay. The ones who are going to leave, they're going to leave. They can come back whenever they want if the lodge wants them back. But the bleeding, that's what, I, that's what I'm referring to when I, when I say that. Because you cannot stop it because you don't know what the hell happened. Like why are they? That's why those, those Grand Lodge uh, questionnaires came out. Why have you not come back to lodge you know is it this this and this if da 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 you know and a lot of them were like uh i don't know if i fully agree but like the number one answer is like my lodge never reached out to me and therefore uh you know i didn't feel a part of the lodge like, well i yeah. i agree that that would be the number one but i think that's uh, that's their excuse to yeah. say you yeah. know i didn't care enough to communicate with my lodge to want to show up like to me that's just like why do you're a grown adult you're a grown-ass man. Why do I have to <laughs> yeah. hold your hand yeah. and, and, beg, and beg you to yeah. come back to the lodge when I didn't beg you to join? Right. Right? Right. But So don't use that as the excuse to blame the lodge because they weren't reaching out to me. Really? Now, now which begs the question, then why would Grand Lodge put that down as a valid excuse when you and I answered, like when I saw it, I answered the same thing that you did. Why the hell am I? You know, so... Again, these numbers are kind of like uh, they're warped. They're not giving us a, a reason. Well, well, because the Grand Lodge is trying to be transparent and giving you what people were putting down as their mm -hmm. excuse for not coming back to lodge, right? Like, yeah. and and if that's what they're telling you, then what do I what do I do and we do at lodge when we have <laughs> an, our entered apprentice class? We're not here to babysit you. Mm -hmm. Are you an adult? Yeah. You make decisions for yourself. All the A's and other heads, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, then it's your responsibility to communicate with the lodge when you move, when you change your number, when you change your email. Right. Don't you ever come back here or say that my lodge never reached out to me. You get a trestle board every month and you know what's going on. And if you don't want to show up, that's your choice. But you will never use the excuse that your lodge was never there for you. Your lodge never reached out for you. Your lodge never called you. The phone works both ways. And if you don't communicate back, you know, we're, some of us are here holding your lodge down. Some mm -hmm. of us are here making sure your lodge is still alive and thriving. Yeah. And if you don't have the common courtesy to show up and just be present, just show up to grab a free piece of steak, a free hamburger, then what does that say about you? But you will never use the excuse that your lodge never reached out for, to you or never cared about you. 
you're the one that walked away and excused yourself. We didn't kick you out unless you didn't pay your dues and got suspended. You know, I mean, that's, and by that's the way, my, that's. Yeah. And by the way, brother, pay your dues for those of you who haven't paid your dues. You know, sure. so, yeah. so Dago, Hey, it's, it's been a pleasure. Like I said, I hope it's, it's the first of many before we end this sure, session, brother. I would like to acknowledge you, man. I acknowledge the years of service you have given acknowledge the, the not only the years but the passion and the desire that you have served it even when you got kicked down right because everybody does everybody gets knocked down as we're going through this journey as we're taking on different uh, chairs and different responsibilities within the lodge as we're chairing different committees i like to acknowledge you for all that you have done so far and what you're going to continue to do and not only that you're sitting uh, what, what are you sitting in your blue lodge what what position do you hold down um, right now, I am not sitting in a chair, but I am the, I'm in the committee that does uh, illumination lectures. I am the, the, in the committee that does uh, candidate education classes, and I'm heading the committee that's putting Masonicon together. And, and on top of that, you're the master of the research lodge. And the master uh, of the research yeah, lodge. Uh, again, and you're pivotal in, in the, your lodge's success. So, hey, man, thank you for that. And thank you for being here tonight or this morning to share some of your experience, you know, share this podcast with whoever you believe will, will enjoy it and, will. and listen to you, you know, rant and rave because I want you to rant and rave because people need to hear it because the more perspective we get, but the nuggets of truth that were shared today will help somebody. Well, yeah. And I want to thank you for spreading the word and putting the time, not only in your lodge, yeah. but in putting this podcast together because you know it takes work and effort and obviously you're passionate about masonry as well so kudos to you and i'm glad you found an outlet to be able to accept that passion outside of just the bubble of the lodge congratulations thank you I for will. doing it well thank you and i do love it it's it's a it is a passion and uh, i enjoy these these conversations and i believe that conversations long form conversations need to be had because that's the only way we can begin to you know, peel back the layers <clears throat> and get to what needs to be said and stop dancing around a lot of these, you know, issues and topics because we want to be brotherly. You know, the brotherly comes later when, once we peeled up, peeled away all that stuff and we beat each other up and, and then we finally understood each other. Then now we can be brotherly. But until then, until we get come and become truthful and honest with each other, can we make progress? I love so, it. Yes, absolutely. Thank so, you, brother. Yeah, and, and thank you. And this has been another strong session of Masonic Muscle. Thank you for listening. And peace out.